The following program is part of the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations China podcast series. For more information on the National Committee, visit us at www.ncuscr.org or connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, or Weibo. My name is Margot Landman. I'm Senior Director for Education Programs at the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations and I'm delighted that we are doing this NCUSCR China podcast with Mark Frazier, a professor at the New School for Social Research in, the, in New York, and Chin Gao, a professor at the Columbia University School of Social Work, who has just come out with a book called Welfare, Work, and Poverty, Social Assistance in China. And this is an unusual format for the National Committee podcast series because we have two participants in our, in our public intellectuals program. Mark is with the first cohort from 2005, and Tin is with the fourth cohort, which started three years ago. And I am going to turn it over to Mark to do the interview. Thank you both. Well, it's great to have a chance to talk to you, and congratulations on the book, Jean. Um, you've done so much work in the past on measuring inequality through um, especially surveys like the China Household Income Project. Um, and I was wondering, what got you interested particularly in writing a book about DBAO, or as it's often translated into English, the Minimum Livelihood Guarantee? Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Mark. It's I feel like it's a reunion. It's so wonderful to be talking about this work with you because uh, you uh, talked to me about the book when it was in the early stages. So thank you for doing this. Um, I think I was interested in this topic, broadly poverty, inequality, welfare, from a long time ago. I um, lived with my grandparents growing up, mm. uh, even though my parents lived in the same city, but they were busy building the socialist uh, China. So mm. I was a member of my grandparents' household, and they um, both impacted me hugely. My grandmother was illiterate, never went to school, but she cared about people, um, especially those who uh, were in less advantaged uh, situations mm. a lot, and she was always helping people, listening to people, and that had a lasting impact on me. So I felt I, when I grew up, I wanted to do something related to poverty, social justice, mm. to improve people's lives. And on the other hand, my grandfather was an educated man, a local government official, who was always reading, talking about social issues. Mm. And because I was there, he would talk to me about those issues. And from him, I understood that social policies are not abstract. They affect people. Um, So I wanted to make that connection from policy to to people's lives. Um, So I guess, yeah, it's this aspiration Mm -hmm. for doing something on these issues really uh, came from long ago from my childhood. Yeah, that, that, that's a great account of your intellectual interests and, and what got you motivated about not just the book, but generally speaking about studying right. um, inequality yeah. and how China can cope with the challenges of inequality. Was that, was that what city was that in that you grew up? It's in Shanxi province in, uh-huh. uh, in Linxian, Lin okay. County. It's a Xianchen, uh-huh. yeah, county okay. city. Yeah. Great, great. Well, um, 
because you know some of the listeners uh, for the podcast may not know may not know exactly what DBAL is, they may have heard of uh, of DBAL or the minimum livelihood uh, guarantee. But um, can you talk a little bit about what it is, um, how many people it covers, and and, and maybe as as concisely as possible. As, mm-hmm. Who pays for it and how, mm-hmm. how it gets uh, yeah. financed that way? That's, That's always a, a question with welfare Yeah, policies. very important question. So DBAO, you could think of it as a typical means-tested welfare program, which mm-hmm. exists in almost every country. Uh, but uh, DBAO is unique because it's so large. It's in China. Right now, it covers about 60 million people. Uh, about 45 million of those are in rural China with the remaining in urban China. But this is already 10 million down from about three years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge program. Right now, the largest in the world. Um, it's uh, based on means test, which means you have to, uh, people have to apply and you have mm-hmm. to investigate their mm-hmm. family income, sometimes assets. And those who have an income below the locally set Dibao line, which is the assistance criterion, would be able to get the benefit. And the benefit amount would be the difference between the applicant's income and the local threshold. Mm-hmm. Um, so the local governments are responsible for setting up this program, set up the lines, and also committing a budget. But for the localities with fiscal challenges, the central government would uh, transfer funds to pay for this program. Okay. Um, so it's paid through uh, taxes, essentially, and, that's, and uh, yeah, the fiscal that's right. system rather yes. than through an insurance, yeah. which is the way a lot of the social, uh, other social policies, right. so like this, pensions and health care. Yeah, to characterize it, yeah. it's, it's a social assistance program. It's not social right. insurance where people don't contribute, right? So th- for this program, people don't, don't have contribute. to make, yeah. no, yeah, yeah, it's paid by okay. general taxes. Yeah. yeah. So um, in the book, you talk about how... Uh, where it got started and when it got mm-hmm. started. In the early 90s, 1993, Shanghai, um, which seems to take a city that takes credit for many things, but yeah. it, I, I think in this case we can give Shanghai credit again. And then it became national policy soon thereafter. So um, why, why did this, uh, why, how do you explain the timing of mm-hmm. why it happened in the 1990s and you know maybe where the idea came from to provide this form of, of social yeah. assistance? Yeah. So, as you are very familiar with, uh, since the economic reform started in the late 1970s, and uh, from then to the early 1990s, the focus was to reform the state-owned enterprises, SOEs. And because many of them are not so productive or profitable, the focus of that reform in the Mm -hmm, urban areas mm -hmm. was to improve efficiency, productivity, of these firms and to do that there were two things to do mainly one is to lay off the redundant workers the other is to relieve the companies of the welfare responsibility they used to carry so that generated uh, a big group called the new urban poor traditionally poverty was not associated with the the cities in china because everybody Mm -hmm. had a iron rice bowl right Right. But uh, that removed the iron rice bowl, and many who were newly laid off couldn't find jobs in the market, mm-hmm. and they moved from having a rice bowl to having no rice bowl. So they were they became poor. They had uh, no um, livelihood source. Uh, 
and then uh, the Shanghai government felt they had the responsibility, they had the um, fiscal capacity to do it. Mm -hmm. They also had some political autonomy to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they were also worried that if these people continue to suffer, they may protest, they may cause some mm -hmm. social mm -hmm. instability. Mm -hmm. So the local government started this program, which became very successful. And uh, soon it was adopted by six other cities. And by 1999, the central government decided it's very good. Okay. It's needed for all the cities, and it St got implemented. Yeah. Still cities at that point. And by 1999, residents. yeah, only okay. cities. And it's not until 2007 mm -hmm. it got implemented in rural oh, China. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think one of the things your, your book does so well is to carefully discuss and measure uh, the various consequences of, of DBAO, the... Um, and b b both measuring influence on poverty rates, relative uh, poverty, absolute poverty, um, measuring differences between rural and urban, um, asking even at, at the household level how people uh, think about uh, DBAL. Um, but can you briefly discuss your assessment of you know the achievements and shortcomings of, mm -hmm. of the of the DBAL program? Yeah, so um, DBAL is. Uh anti-poverty program mm -hmm. so it had a modest poverty reduction effect it's not drastic or huge but the poverty reduction was modest mm -hmm. at the same time uh, it had a bigger impact in reducing the poverty gap and poverty severity than the poverty rate which okay. means um, some people uh, were lifted above poverty but among the poor um, they really benefited from Dibao and was uh, were able to have a better um, livelihood. Okay. So I think that's one of the main achievements, uh, which means most of Dibao benefits did go to the very poor. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, Dibao also had a lot of targeting errors, which means some people who should have gotten it didn't, mm -hmm. and some people who... Um, was not were not truly eligible were benefiting from it um, and that regard I think needs some further improvement mm -hmm. um, but uh, other countries also struggle with this targeting issue because t poverty is a moving target it's yeah. very hard to exactly find those who are poor give them the amount they need and then lift them out of poverty so right. that will continue to be a struggle for DBAO. So, so if, if um, as you described it, if uh, the DBAO program brings a household up to a minimum mm -hmm. standard line in a city or whatever mm -hmm. the jurisdiction is, are, could they still be below the poverty line? Or is there a, the right. idea that, because it sounds as though you're, you're bringing them up to a certain line, and right. then how can they still be yeah. below the poverty line? Right. So this is a challenging topic in the book. I have one uh -huh. whole chapter on this. Because right now in China, there's a national poverty line, which applies yes. to the rural areas, which is a national line, one threshold. But Dibao lines are localized. Even within one province, every locality has a different Dibao line. Yes. So you could be lifted above the Dibao line, but could still be, be below the national poverty line. I see. Um, so 
poverty is yeah, just very complex. Okay, that makes it um, depends on on how the line where the poverty line is located. Right. Um, and then generally, you know, we, we we hear so much about inequality measurements in China, the Gini coefficient, right. um, which uh, as 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 some people know, and as you certainly know, has has begun to creep down a little bit um, in in recent years. And can we say that that the Dibao program has been a you know contributing factor to that decline in income inequality measurements? Uh, I would say no, not okay. much, because Dibao, on the one hand, is a small amount of transfer, mm-hmm. right? So, just the volume sure. of the benefit uh, doesn't help to have a huge effect. On the other hand, Dibao concentrates on the very poor. Um, so it doesn't really have a huge impact on the overall income distribution. Right, right. Um, so it's, it has a greater impact on reducing poverty, but uh-huh. uh, not so much on the overall income distribution. Okay. Yeah. Do, do we know yet what, what's been responsible or have people identified some, some um, reasons for why that inequality measure has... Still yeah. very high, but it's 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 come down a little bit. Right. I think mainly my understanding is the uh, economic growth rate okay. slowing down, which uh. actually contributed to the narrowing of income inequality sure. gaps, and then also more specifically the structure of the economy. Okay. Um. So there are more people who are in the middle of income distribution okay. who do those kind of jobs. At the same time, I am not entirely convinced that income inequality is actually I see. coming down. I mean, that's one part of the story. I think for most of the Chinese people, that's true. However, we don't have very good data on the very top income people in China. No. Uh, and uh, we don't have a good uh, way to include them in that calculation. Sure. So. Um, yeah, it's it's still an ongoing problem and an ongoing I would, challenge. Uh, yeah, right? I'm working on some projects on those, and uh, I think we need a concerted uh-huh. effort to uh-huh. get better estimates. Yeah, well, last question, and this has to do less with research and more with your sort of classroom work. And um, you teach at the you're on the faculty at the School of Social Work at Columbia. You've trained many social workers uh, who now are doing work here in the U.S. or in China and other places, too. Mm-hmm. And um, I think uh, many of our listeners would probably be interested in how you would describe some of the similarities and differences in social work and the status of social workers mm-hmm. uh, in the two countries. Mm-hmm. Thank you for asking that question. So I do feel very proud to be a professor in a school of social work. I think we train wonderful students who uh, do great work. Uh-huh. Um, and in both countries, I think social work is so needed. Uh, in China, social work is a bit new, um, but yeah. I think they will do wonderful things um, for, for the country and for both the communication between the two countries. And are there a lot of PRC students who come to Columbia That's to right. get their degree for yeah. social work and then they return to do yeah, many uh, do practice return. in, in, in yeah. uh, and At they're employed the, in the public sector, private sector? Um, both. Okay. Both. Right. Many work on macro levels, some work on micro levels, individuals, families, communities, uh, and they all make a difference in people's lives. Thank you very much. Thank you.